So I am both those people and part of my brand and my brand evolution is to really integrate those two people into really hopefully a, a person that can be a dynamic leader in the world of wellness while also leveraging the power of media and entertainment. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, we are in the heat of summer, and that's why we are bringing you a hot fan favorite episode with Dr. Jennifer Turner, who is the EVP of TriStar Television and the founder of Mad cool fitness. Now, I met Jennifer years ago when she was working at Bravo and Oxygen Media. Now, many of you know that I spent years working at NBC Universal, really supporting Bravo and Oxygen as an internal consultant. And it was this amazing time to be at Bravo because it was when it was transforming from this obscure arts network on the cable dial that really showed screenings of things like Cirque du Soleil to really becoming this buzzy pop cultural channel known for huge shows like Project Runway and Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and, of course, the popular hit show Top Chef. Now, I remember I was facilitating a huge annual strategy offsite, and we were locked up at some crazy conference center in upstate New York, and it just happened to be the finale of season two of Top Chef. And I was super thrilled because we were all watching it on the screen after dinner, and the previous winner, or the winner of season one, Harold even came in to surprise everyone. But it suddenly made me realize that Top Chef was this amazing brand win for Bravo. Because when you think about it, Top Chef was the number one food show on cable for over 10 years. That is crazy. But what is even more crazy is that the top food show on cable was on a pop culture network like Bravo. Now, Bravo isn't a food or cooking channel. It's not even a home and garden channel, which was typically what that tier of all of those channels was on your old cable dial. No, it was a broad lifestyle entertainment network, but they still ended up having the top food show for over a decade. And ultimately, it was the power of the Bravo brand and the Bravo filter. Quite simply, Bravo 
did food by Bravo. In fact, for many years, you probably remember the tagline at Bravo was blank by Bravo. They would have fashion by Bravo, tech by Bravo, food by Bravo when they were tagging out their shows because their filter was so clear that they could take any genre and any format of show and make it into a Bravo show. Now, think about it at the time. The Food Network, who should have been owning the entire category, was still showing shows like Paula's Home Cooking with Paula Dean, right? Which, of course, that woman goes off on these racist rants, then disappears and comes back a couple of years later. But it was just all about eating, you know, fried Southern food and those type of personalities, And then we flip over and think about the top show for years in the food space on broadcast television, and it was on Fox, and it was Hell's Kitchen, if you remember that. Now, it seems odd. Like, why would Fox Television have a food show, and why would people who love food want to watch something on on Fox? Well, quite simply, Fox did the same thing. They did Food by Fox, which was Hell's Kitchen, because if you remember way back in the late 80s, Fox came out as that new renegade fourth network with teens having sex on 90210 and married with children and cops and so much of Fox's brand filter is about being snarky, right? So if you think about it, all of the top shows on Fox have angry British men who are yelling at you, right? Whether that's on Hell's Kitchen or it's Simon Cowell on American Idol or all of those animated characters. And ultimately, that snark factor is what the Fox filter is all about, You would probably be surprised if I told you there was an LGBTQ queer type of musical comedy on Fox, but suddenly then you remember it was Glee and it all came together because that Sue Sylvester character was quite simply a Midwestern female version of Simon Cowell and all of those angry British guys that yell at you on their shows. So going back to Bravo, they had this clear brand filter, right? At their table stakes, They always knew that it had to be about these relatable characters and dramatic storylines and attractive 20 to 30-somethings. But once you went past that, what differentiated them was they had a brand filter piece that was like, we have to have LGBTQ plus represented. I even remember them shutting down a season of Top Chef and going back to recast it because they didn't feel they had a compelling LGBTQ plus character on it. They said the things need to be simultaneously smart and fun upscale and cosmopolitan locales, right? That's why Top Chef was in New York and then went to all of these big, amazing cities. And now they're actually filming Top Chef in London for their 2023 season. They said it had to be aspirational environments, unique and innovative. And ultimately, the production had to be high end and sophisticated. So if you take Fashion by Bravo, we get Project Runway. If we even take telenovela, Spanish language soap opera, and put it through that filter, it becomes the real housewives of you fill in the upscale cosmopolitan location, right? And that was really the Bravo secret. Now, I want you to think how this applies to you. Remember, we don't want to be a boring old commodity like coffee. You don't want to be a coffee worker. You've got to stand out from the crowd so that people know when to hire you and when to bring you on to projects. And in It's okay if you're not everyone's cup of coffee. 
You want to make sure that you're a super premium brand like Starbucks by defining your brand filter. What is it that you stand for? What are those unique things that you bring to every single project that you work on that puts your thumbprints and your fingerprints all over it? So when it comes out, people are saying, wow, only Jason could have done that project. Wow, only Jason would have taken that spin on that project. I want you to figure out what those brand filter elements are and make sure that you're putting it on every single work project that you have. Well, let's get to today's guest. This is our fan favorite episode with Dr. Jennifer Turner. She's the EVP of TriStar Television and the founder of Mad Cool Fitness. Now, since we first talked to Dr. Jennifer Turner and had her on the show back in 2021, she has been promoted to the head of Sony Pictures TriStar Television. As the EVP of that banner, she aims to expand the creative universe for TriStar Television canvassing both the East and the West Coast for fresh perspectives and projects that align with the label's mission to champion diverse, authentic characters and underrepresented voices. Now, prior to that role, Jennifer was the SVP of scripted programming for Sony Pictures Television, overseeing creative for shows like The Good Doctor, The Blacklist, The Boys, For Life, and Woke. Now, as you know, I met Jennifer when she was in charge of licensing and strategic Strategic partnerships for NBC Universal, where she established business development departments for Bravo Media and Oxygen Media. Now, the cool thing is that Dr. Turner is also the founder of Mad Cool Fitness and the Mad Cool Community, which is an inclusive, edutainment, healthy lifestyle brand that helps people to achieve long-term good health through behavior science-based programs. We'll be back with our fan favorite episode with Dr. Jennifer Turner in just a moment. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I have an amazing guest today, Dr. Jennifer Turner. She's the SVP of scripted programming at Sony Pictures Television and the founder of Mad Cool Fitness and the Mad Cool Community. Jen, how's it going? It's going great, Jason. I'm so excited to be here. I am thrilled to have you because we are here to talk all about leading with your brand. So let's just kick right off and tell me, Jen, when you first meet people who don't know who you are and they don't know what you do, how do you introduce yourself or how do you explain what you do? So I guess, first of all, and this will be, I think, a, a through line throughout our conversation today, I, I'm actually kind of two people that I've been integrating in the process of integrating into one being called Dr. Jennifer Turner. So my my day job is I am a creative executive at Sony, and I try to explain that to people kind of like product 
product management where our product is a television show. So I work with the writers and the producers on the storylines, basically oversee general creative for shows that we currently have on the air or in production. People can kind of understand that. I say, because sometimes people are like, well, are you a producer? And I'm like, well, I'm not a producer, although I work very closely with producers. And a lot of people in my position do go on to produce. But I, I think of it more as like product management because we work with production and the marketing department and our exhibiting partners, whether it's the streamers or the major networks. We kind of work with all these different entities in the making and ultimately exhibiting of a television show. So so that's my day job. And then my <laughs> other, the other Jennifer Turner, Dr. Jennifer Turner, is I am a health advocate. I specialize in health education and behavioral science. Specifically, I'm interested in obesity prevention. I have a doctor of public health, as you mentioned in the intro. It's something that is kind of the not separate, but another sort of dimension of who I am in that even though I have this degree and I work in the field of public health, I'm still a television person. So even in my interactions with people in the world of health, I bring entertainment into that world as well. I think it's very important to really explore the power of narrative and emotional resonance with people when you're trying to inspire them to change their health behavior. So I am, I am both those people and part of my my brand and my brand evolution is to really integrate those those two people into really hopefully a, a person that can be a dynamic leader in the world of wellness while also leveraging the power of media and entertainment. So Jennifer, I love your whole notion of how narrative plays through everything that you do. So tell me a little bit about your narrative and, and your story. How how did you how did you come into being a TV person? And then how did you <laughs> evolve this side hustle to be really part of the full you? I am 46 years old. I'm happy to to tell my age. And so it, in some ways, this has been a, a a journey that has been 46 years in the making because medical fitness and the work that I do in health is very much um, an integration of me and my whole life story. So, you know, I tell people, you know, I used to be an overweight kid and I, I struggled with asthma and, um, and an eating disorder. And anyway, in terms of in terms of eating, I, I, I tell people, people don't believe me now because now I'm a marathoner, a triathlete and all that jazz. But I, I tell people growing up on the South Side of Chicago, I never met a chicken wing or a Happy Meal that I didn't like because <laughs> I, I like me some wings, okay? I like to eat. <laughs> And so, and, and it was really, you know, when I hit my adolescence, I discovered boys and I decided that I actually wanted to lose weight. My mother had been after me for years to lose weight, but it was only after I uh, liked this boy in the fifth grade that I decided that I need to get skinny because he liked this other girl who was very skinny. And I was like, well, I've got to get skinny too. <laughs> I tell that story because it's, it's how, how I had an, how an adolescent actually sort of processes things that really was a kind of one of the first inflection points in my life. Um, so unfortunately, I ended up losing weight. I did lose weight, but I lost it the wrong way. I ended up getting a, an eating disorder and I, I struggled with, with bulimia from the time I was basically 12, 13 until I was 24. And it was something that I... You know, when I first started, uh, unfortunately, with the disease, it was something that was really more of a way for me to manage my weight. And uh, but unfortunately, it morphed into something that was really more of a stress 
coping mechanism. And so when I was stressed out, there was the bulimia. When I wasn't stressed out, there was no bulimia. So anyway, fast forward many years to when I went to business school at Stanford, I really should have been on top of the world at that point. I had just finished up a career, a stint as a financial analyst on Wall Street. I worked at Goldman Sachs. Many, 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 many moons ago, I studied finance at Wharton, and uh, I thought I was going to be Gordon Gecko, like I was all about making that money, <laughs> making that money, honey. And uh, and I, I listen, I'm down with making some bills too. But I think even at that young age, after being at Goldman, I realized that it was very important for me to not just be in a transaction-oriented business, but actually create something, to create a business, to create something that I could put out in the world. So anyway, I had finished up at Goldman and I was heading out to Stanford. I had gotten accepted into Harvard Business School. I should have been on top of the world, but I wasn't because the anxiety of the change was causing my bulimia to flare up again. So I decided, I made the determination at that point that I was going to not only graduate from Stanford in two years with my MBA, but I was also going to focus on my health, that it was important for me to fundamentally change my behavior. So anyway, by going through that process of committing to going to the gym every day, having the support of some of my classmates that met me in the gym, stop, you know, stopping the the process of yo-yo dieting and being, you know, a victim and a slave to what the scale said. Like when the scale was down, I was happy when the scale was up. I wasn't happy, like stopping all that nonsense and really focusing on my behavior. That was how I ultimately became healthy. Now in a parallel life or the parallel part of my life in terms of television is that I'm a, I'm a child of the original golden age of television. I'm a child of the eighties and I loved television. I mean, I loved everything about television. Like, (laughs) you know, I, I will tell you even fast forward to, you know, a few years ago when I was doing my dissertation, I would watch, I would have the golden girls like playing the rerun. I'd have them playing in the background because they were my girls. Like I yeah. remember, and I remember every episode. I remember every single word of every single line of every single episode. Like, <laughs> and which golden absurd. girl are you? Oh my God. Well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really funny question because, you know, I, I'm, I don't think I'm any one of them. And I, I'm definitely not Blanche. I mean, I wish I was getting as much action as Blanche was getting. Definitely, most certainly not. I mean, they were the original Sex in the City. I mean, these, right. these were the original Sex in the City girls. But I, but I love the uh, naivete of Rose, and I love the the dry practicality of of uh, oh my god Dorothy. of um, Dorothy. Well, I'm just like Dorothy. Thank you. I was like the Arthur was in my head, Dorothy, and. And, and, you know, Sophia Petrillo, I can, I, even to this day, when I tell a story to somebody, I'll be like, picture it. Southside <laughs> Chicago, 1987. <laughs> so anyway, I love television. And I knew when I made that choice after working on Wall Street that I wanted to work in an, in an industry that I was super excited about. And that was television. And I also played the violin and I really, I'm a supporter of the arts and I was a dancer. And so I really, I really thought of myself as more of a creative person. And so that's how I ended up segueing into the television industry. Now, I will tell you, I had literally no idea what a television, a creative executive was. I mean, you don't even <laughs> like you're not taught that in in business school. You're not even really taught that in college. I mean, I think it's one of those um, sort of inside 
things that you discover once you're inside the business, but it's not something that you're necessarily exposed to as you are a student or, you know, fresh out of college or whatever. And so it's, it's interesting because my passion for health and fitness, as well as my passion for television and narrative, they've been sort of on parallel paths. And then they sort of converged in this entity called, and this brand called Mad Cool Fitness, which is really all about health behavior change and helping people to learn how to be healthy based on behavior science, based on the information um, and the training that I got from my degree. But it's also based on my personal experience as somebody who has struggled with weight and an eating disorder and disordered eating for many, many years. And I use, um, I use video and narrative and hopefully fun, plain talk conversation, real talk conversation to help people to understand and learn how they can be healthy. So taking real science-based conversations or research, but packaging it in a way like nobody's going to sit and read, you know, a long, you know, research article about how people have lost weight from a research perspective. Like that's dry and boring. People aren't going to do that. But what people are going to respond to is if they can see themselves in that story, if they mm-hmm. can see, personalize it and internalize it and, and, and believe really believe that they can be healthier. And I, that's where my, um, my entertainment background, background comes into play and I try to use it. Absolutely. So, so Jason, I'm that was way, that was way more than you ever wanted to know. I mean, I went <laughs> golden no, girls. we want to know. Was, we want to know. Chicken I, wings. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm all about chicken McNuggets. That's, that's my, my guilty pleasure. But talk to me a little bit because I, I'm so fascinated with that you started in finance. So how did you end up in finance? And then what was the realization that's like, I'm not a finance person. I'm like a creative and a health and wellness person. It's so funny because, you know, in life, your life is such a, a journey, right? And so you start off, you know, maybe going to South Beach and yet you end up in like Cleveland and you're like, well, how did that happen? <laughs> and it's you know, and it's like, but it's a series of like, it, uh, it, like point A to point Z doesn't necessarily totally make sense. But when you go through all the beats in between, it's like, ah, that's how it happened. So how that happened was I, um, I think, as I mentioned, I, I play the violin. I started playing the violin when I was four. And, um, I used to, and I was actually pretty serious about it. I, when I was, you know, 16, I basically had to make the decision if I was really going to pursue it in college or not, if I was going to pursue it as a, as a career or not. And, um, in my time playing the violin, I was traveling with my orchestra to different countries. So we every summer I would go to to Europe or to Japan or or some some place on tour. And while we were there, I would learn about we there would also be an educational component where we would learn about the economy and international business and we would meet with local business officials. And so in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I think I want to if I don't pursue music, I want to pursue international business, which I didn't exactly know what that was, but but the concept of international business, like learning about economies, learning about, you know, how 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 business actually gets conducted in a country and internationally. And so anyway, my mother being a, you know, now 80-year-old black woman from the South Side of Chicago, she was like she was always incredibly supportive of me and my music and just I mean, she is, you know, 
there there isn't a better mother out there. Mm-hmm. But she told me she was like, you need to when I was having the whole debate with myself about, you know, major, you know, going into music or not. And she was like, you need to major in some money so you can learn how to make some. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, uh huh. So that's basically what happened. Yeah. So let's talk more about your executive brand. Give me three words that describe uh, Jennifer Turner as as an executive. In terms of like my executive brand, I do feel that my my executive brand is very much an amalgam of my business and creative side. So I would call myself a a business person as well as a creative person, an innovator, somebody who's entrepreneurial, somebody who can think beyond just the the boxes and the parameters of my immediate draw job, but think more, you know, cross department departmentally and, and think about the business more broadly. And so it's um, all of these things. So hopefully that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm so fascinated because you're a behavioral scientist, right? And and when I think about brand, it, people are always saying like, oh, I'm this, I'm, I'm that, right? But at the end of the day, it's about actions and behaviors. So yeah. talk to me a little bit about how do you actually behavioralize being collaborative? What does that look like or being entrepreneurial or being a visionary leader? How how do you consciously do things so that you show up that way to others? Well, I think in terms of being collaborative, like I love giving credit to other people. Like when we work on something as a team, I am the first person to say and shout out to so-and-so who really crushed it on this project or really made this happen. Like that makes me feel good to give somebody else props. I think it's important. I think it's it's it it makes other people, the person, feel good and recognized. I think it does bring us closer together as a as a team, and we feel like yeah. we're all kind of on the same side, you know, trying to trying to grow the business or whatever, meet the uh, objective. Um, and it feels I, like that's not what the business is known for often, right? I mean, I think in entertainment, it's, it's, I mean, I don't feel like there's so many people giving credit to each other in the business. No. And I, I think, and, and, you know, part of that may be, Jason, because like I'm really secure. Like I'm not, I'm good. So I don't feel like, I don't feel like this is a zero sum game that if, yeah. if somebody else shines that somehow diminishes me. The other thing I'll just say about it, I, I really do love my job. And I, you know, I, again, I, I still really dig television. I love it, but it doesn't define me. So I am not my job. 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 So it's less, you know, I don't feel like if somebody else gets credit for something that uh that that somehow takes away from me or by the way i i'm also if i if i'm you know make a mistake or something i'll be like i made a mistake you know i don't i don't like cover up and uh, you know freak out about yeah. it it's like look i made a mistake let's figure it out hopefully it's not like a fatal mistake of some sort um but it's like no be like oh i made a mistake on that let's let's correct it i'll correct it you know like it's it's i think people and maybe this should have been in my three words. I think people need to be authentic. I yeah. think when you when you are BSing around and BSing yourself or covering up or not, you know, coming with your true self um, to situations, like people know that. 
And I mean, listen, there, there, I'm sure there are plenty of people in Hollywood that have risen to great heights that way. <laughs> but, but I do think that at a certain point, being, I think in the end, being your authentic self is really the best way to go. Not only not only in terms of like career advancement, but I think just so that you can be happy with yourself and be able to look yourself in the mirror and be like, I am good with the person that's looking back at me. I don't yeah. feel like I stepped on anybody, undercut somebody, was not, you know, gracious or whatever. Like I, you know, I'm good with the with the actions that I've that I've taken. Yeah. Now talk to me a little bit around mad cool fitness and, and your, <laughs> your health and fitness side. Would you use those same sort of brand descriptors for you in that space? My whole health journey, I would put it in a couple of parts. So, you know, the first part was like my years of sort of fitness despair. My sister laughs at me now. We can laugh at it now. My sister's uh, eight years older and she was like, she was tall and skinny and I was like the short, you know, <laughs> chunky kid. And she, you know, we laugh about the day that um, it was, a, it must've been like 1985 or something like that. It was this, anyway, it was the same year that it was like Jane Fonda had her fitness videos out and she was talking about go for the burn, but I didn't understand what she was saying. So I thought she was saying, go for a, go for the bird. And I was like, why is this white lady talking about go for the bird? I don't really understand what she's saying, but I was like, I'm doing it. So I had that. And I had the, uh, the thriller video, the first, you know what I'm saying? The 14, yeah. whatever minute, like movie, whatever. The mini movie. Exactly. I had that. And it was on, um, on Betamax. Okay. I'm bringing it all the way back. Like <laughs> right? And I'll never forget. I was, I was like, I think I was like eight. So I'm like down in the basement, um, where we had the TV and the Betamax and, uh, and I'm, and I'm wearing a silver sauna suit that I had gotten from the Osco that helps you to sweat. And the only thing I'd never lost any weight with that thing. The only thing it did was like sweat out my press and curl. But anyway, I'm like down in the basement, like doing, like doing these like you know squats or something. And I and I I look up and my sister is coming coming down the stairs, and she's it's the summertime and she's wearing like a tube top and some Daisy Dukes. And she's got this perfect body, and she was like drinking like a giant Slurpee from the 7-Eleven. And I'm, I look up and she's like, what you doing? And I was like, I hate this, you know, bitch. I hate her. I was like, I hate her so much. I'm like, why could you do that? So, you know, I'm like, why am I having to go through such a struggle? And she's so skinny. But I, you know, the first part of my life was about stopping, getting out of that cycle, getting out of that, imprisonment basically of weight. And, and now it's really about how do I help others? How do I coach others? How do I help people to break that cycle and to really have a true vision for who they want to be? Who is this fit, empowered person? And then actually helping them to develop the tools to get there. If I can help one person, that's one person who is now activated 
who I can potentially radicalize in the world of health to go back into their families and be like, hey, y'all, let's be healthy, who can then take that into their communities and be like, hey, y'all, let's be healthy, then it, it, it it's important. And I'm very deliberate in every single interaction that I have with somebody to inspire them as much as I can to understand that they can be mad cool as well. I love that. So, <laughs> so let me play a little more on, on the creative end, end of your work, because you have worked on amazing entertainment brands, right? If we think of Grey's and Desperate Housewives and Lost and Top Chef and Real Housewives, or, I mean, all of those things that are kind of like iconic brands in television. What are the things that that you all do in branding television that people could use to brand themselves as leaders in whatever they do. I say that our our products are our, our television shows. You are you are creating a, a relationship with the audience. You're creating an emotional connection. You're creating an expectation ultimately of what that show is. So when they sit down to watch a show each week, yeah, the story needs to be different and fresh. If it's a medical you know, show the medical story needs to have plots, you know, twists, you know, plot twists and this, that, and the other, but it should all feel like an episode of that show. It's the audience should never feel like, now what the hell was that that I just watched? It shouldn't feel like something totally different so that audiences really are, we're delivering on whatever it is that we have set up and, and sort of promised to them. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you flip that and thinking about your own brand, right, as as a person, as a leader, how have you applied sort of those same techniques of following the promise and delivering for the audience? It's being consistent. You know, that word, that word consistency, man, it's a it's like a really important word because, you know, I, I talk about consistency in fitness and health. Like ultimately, mm -hmm. if you want to change your behavior, if you want to lose weight, if you want to do something, you have to be consistent. And I think similarly, you know, in terms of building your own personal brand, you have to be consistent as well. So what does that mean? So that means, you know, being prepared. You know, when I say something, I really, in meetings, I really try to listen first, process what is being discussed, read the room and then speak so that when I speak, it's not, I'm not just speaking, you know, just to take up, you know, airtime. I'm speaking because I actually have something to contribute to the conversation. So I, I think for the, for the most part, <clears throat> excuse me, my colleagues would say that when I talk, it's, it's actually, you know, I actually have something to, to say. I try to be consistent in my behaviors and how I interact with my colleagues. So again, going back to that concept of being collaborative and reaching out to people and giving props to people, doing that, you know, consistently. When I say I'm going to do something or if 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 we have talked about there's an action item that needs to get done that I am responsible for, that when I say I'm it's going to get done, knowing that it is in fact going to get done because yeah. I consistently deliver and it gets done. Um, so I think that that's, I think that's probably the, you know, I think it all kind of falls under the, the realm of, you know, of, um, of consistency. And, you know, as you know, as a, as a marketing person, as a brand person, you have to, when you're trying to, to reach an audience and get them to sort of embrace and internalize whatever it is that you're selling, you have to say it like over and over and over again. 
Absolutely. So a couple of quick fire questions <laughs> for you, right? Going back, because I know that's where we first met way really back in the old Bravo days. I know. Right? Um, <laughs> what is your favorite brand? As a consumer, what are you obsessed with? What can't you live without? Oh, my God. I have a nasty little shoe and jewelry habit. So that, that's, that's something a good that one to have. That, that's like... You, nobody can see this, but I'm wearing a piece of bling today because I just can't. Yes. Myself. Um, but that that that's something I can't live without. Like I just have a, a whole like shoe jewelry problem. If you were a car, what type of car would you be? I dig those Teslas. I just don't know if I could actually like drive one. And, and why? <laughs> if you were a car, why would you be a Tesla? Well, because I think it, it's sleek and innovative and smart and tech enabled. I don't know if I'm really tech enabled, but but I certainly would aspire to be. Um, and finally, <laughs> what is the best career advice that you would like to pass on to our listeners? For all of those people who are are thinking, you know, how do I bring my full self in the way that you have to the table? Well, I, I would say, you know, one, to actually bring your full self to the table. I mean, one of the things that I think it's taken me a while to realize, even until just recently, is that I don't have to be one person at work and be an, another person outside of work, that I can be my full self at work. I mean, obviously, I will talk to some of my girlfriends a little bit differently than I will talk to my boss, but... <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Because I, I want to keep my good job. But I but really, and I, I think that was that actually kind of goes back to why I decided that I needed to get off of the finance train, even though even though my bank account would be a lot happier right now. If I had <laughs> but, but I personally wouldn't be happier. And I, I think it's because I felt like I was having to be too much of a of one person at work versus another person outside of work. It wasn't the true Jennifer Turner. And so I do feel like in whatever career that you choose, you should bring your whole self to it, your whole authentic self to it. Don't uh, don't don't be afraid to to really lean in and, and bring your full self to your to your job. Well, Dr. Jennifer Turner, thank you for bringing <laughs> your fabulous authentic self to the podcast today. It was great talking to you. You too. I, I feel like now now I feel like I'm in the need for uh, for in the mood for some chicken wings. What about you? What are you? <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Jen. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow. What a fun and spectacular conversation with Dr. Jennifer Turner. There were so many great tips in there. It's really hard to really boil it down. But I will say what she really reinforced for me was that whole power of purpose and being consistent in showing up 
with the value that you can drive from your purpose. You know, the homework that you can do is all about going back and thinking about what is your purpose? What are you here to do? Who are you here to serve? What value can you bring to the world? And when you have that defined, that will be your recipe for bringing value not only at work, but as Dr. Jennifer Turner shared, in life. Well, that's the show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, go ahead and rate us, and I'd love to see a review. Of course, follow me on all social platforms. I'm at Jason Patria, and check me out on LinkedIn, where I share tons of tips to help you lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. And remember, in your career, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.